We all want a different relationship with the work we do for our livelihood. But where might we start? What might we try? How do we do it? What if it was possible to radically transform how you work together with others, to find meaning and impact together with your peers, to consciously organize how you start up, grow, or transform your organization? The answer is yours to discover in the what, the why, and the how. It's time to practice a new kind of leadership, to interrogate hierarchy, wrangle with power and centralized decision-making, and subtract management from change. You don't have to wait for the future of work. We're already broadcasting it here and now on The How. Welcome to the show. We're glad you could be here with us. I'm Susan Basterfield and delighted to be joined by my colleagues, uh, Lisa Atkins and Francesca Pick. Why are we here? When we were conceiving of what we wanted to do next in terms of sharing the story of Greater Than, uh, we thought big. Um, this is something that we've never done before. And I think that this is one of the typical archetypes of what we do in Greater Than is trying not to say, okay, we're actually all quite good blog post writers, so we could just do more blog posts, or uh, we are quite good at uh, hosting and facilitating webinars. Why don't we just do that again? Uh, and I was really uh, encouraged and enlivened uh, that we decided to try something different. So this is the first in the series of our show. <laughs> we don't even know what the show is called yet. Maybe by the time you see this, it'll have a name. But one thing that is uh, consistent uh, across certainly all of us is our belief that if we just start something, um, it will emerge. So super happy to be here. Uh, one of the things that is really important to me um, is that when we are in practice of trying to really hold the question of the late, great David Graeber is, you know, the, the hidden ultimate truth of the world is that it's something we make and could just as easily make differently is that the one question that we're constantly in um, awe of is, does it have to be this way? Can we see the water we're sw swimming in? Um, could we try something different? Have we actually ever named this before? And we're continually doing this in our internal practice and you know, on our best days uh, uh, out in the world with our clients and, and through our courses. But the key here is, unless we're sharing what we're learning, um, I think the potential and the limitations for whatever is possible for us as a greater collective um, can do are, are potentially limited. So the big impulse behind this is to pull back the curtains of greater than, to share what we learn, and to do that in a variety of ways. Sometimes it might just be Lisa, Fran, and I talking. Sometimes it might, might be in conjunction with another guest. Sometimes we'll just share practices. Sometimes we'll share failures and, you know, 
how how we've gotten things terribly wrong because believe me we have how can we flip some things on on its head how can we take the uh the counter position and see what happens so this is what i think that uh we are expecting and you can all expect from tuning in and enjoying us um over the course of this particular first season and with that i'm going to take a breath and pass to my colleague francesca um, to introduce herself and and maybe tell a little bit about the story of why you've landed here in this configuration. Yeah, great. Really excited for us to be having this first episode of our show. So I'm Francesca Pick, and I guess um, what brings me here today is a lot of different things, but I would say um, always having been on a path of exploring uh, alternative ways of doing things, uh, sort of coming from university and getting very, very passionate about the sharing economy. And so I think in comparison to Susan and Lisa, which is quite interesting, I've never really had a traditional job at all. And I've actually spent my whole career, if you want to call it that, or professional work life in a bunch of different uh, distributed communities uh, that were very online based in many cases, but basically groups of people that shared values, a certain maybe vision of the world, and were experimenting with new ways of working together. And so I think that somehow from the moment that I got onto that path, I just uh, couldn't really leave it. And even though I had several moments of thinking, oh, wow, maybe you need to get like more traditional work experience at some point, every time I even considered the thought, it just seemed like not the right thing for me. So uh, yeah, I would say I'm really just deep in these alternative ways of organizing. And sometimes this is really uh, the thing I, I, I have challenges with is that it's hard for me to see that water that I swim in because I've been in it for so long. And so uh, sometimes actually not so easy to connect with uh, people that have a really different work reality. And that's why I'm so grateful to have other colleagues that come from really different contexts to be able to sort of complete the picture. Um, maybe what else to add is that uh, I'm, I'm German American and I'm, I'm living near Barcelona, um, have spent a lot of time in many different places. Um, and I think my, my most important home communities, let's say, to name here are the WeShare community that started around 2012 and also the Inspiral Network, which really is what brought Greater Than together because a lot of us who started Greater Than met through the Inspiral Network. And I'm sure it'll come up a lot throughout this, uh, this show and uh, many important inspirations and things that we've learned there. And I think, uh, yeah, anything else that seems important to share with me right about myself right now? Just wondering. I think that's probably good enough for now. Um, maybe that I that I really love practice, and I'm not someone who's super into theory. So I really uh, learn by doing and just jumping in, and I'm always very curious. But yeah, you can't expect uh, me to be a good uh, walking lexicon of uh, theoretical concepts, but more so very, uh, yeah, practical experience. And so maybe I'll pass on to Lisa to say a little bit about herself. 
I loved hearing all that, Fran, and you're making me think of like, hmm, okay, let me see if I cover those same sorts of, of buckets of things. And I'll start from backwards to forwards from, from where Fran started, just because it's most fresh in my mind. Um, I'm also American, and uh, I um, am in between Portugal and the United States these days. We've just bought a a property in Portugal that we are creating a retreat center for leaders in business and in social movements to do the really deep inner work that allows them to go out and lead more holistically and, you know, just in time, hopefully, for all the challenges that are coming. So um, I'm really immersed in that right now. And my background that has had me land in greater than, I sort of feel like I've landed in this really nice net, you know, like the net that's underneath the tightrope, you know, when someone falls off the tightrope and you can see them bounce, 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 and then they flip over and go, ta-da! I feel like that's how I've landed in the greater than ecosystem. And, um, and my background is uh, in Agile. I guess that's where people most know me from. Um, people will call me the mother of Agile. People will call, which is so not true, but it's kind of funny. People will call me the coach of Agile coaches. They're all, um, yeah, all kinds of ways that people refer to me. And basically for about 10 years, I was on an absolute mission to help uh, the profession of Agile coaching emerge and help Agile coaches become the change agents that I was convinced we needed. I'm still convinced we need. Um, and, and in uh, 2017, I sold the Business Agile Coaching Institute, my business partner, Michael Spade, and I had had for a number of years and, um, and then sort of went fallow for a while and, and thought, where do I apply my, my talents and my gifts and where's the impact? that I want to have. And it became really clear to me that that was um, somehow starting to focus this worldwide agile community that already loves to experiment and learn and make progress together and share and collaborate, focus them, the, oh, the whole community on what can we do related to these many planetary challenges that we are experiencing, and I believe we will continue to experience with more intensity. Hence, greater than, because I was pretty sure that I knew how to be a leader of an organization. I'm a serial entrepreneur. You know, I know how to do that. Uh, a leader of a movement, like the Agile coaching movement in the Agile space, you know how to do that. But to be a leader, which is even not even the right word, but let's just use it for now, but to be a leader of a network of networks, um, I have no clue. How to do that. And, um, and as I started to get, you know, my friend Susan, the one here invited me into greater than and as I started to get closer, I'm like, oh, these people know how to do that. And I have so much to unlearn. It became really clear to me that I didn't have as much to learn as I had to unlearn. And so yeah, I sort of landed here because uh, these are my mentors. And I love the fact that my mentors are like uh, 10, 15, 20 years younger than me, <laughs> which, is, which is an absolute joy. Because um, I think we need a totally different kind of thinking on the planet. And uh, the sort of traditional business world I've been steeped in 
is exactly what needs to shift. And so I need to learn how to shift first. Susan, tell us more about you. Thanks both. It is so interesting how fundamentally different our paths have been to get here. Um, but the, the common intentionality of, I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting here a little bit, like the recognition of our, our interdependence and our dependence on one another as humans. And gosh, if somebody would have said to me 10 years ago that my livelihood would be uh, 90% online with people in, I don't know, 20 different countries um, in a way that is more generative, more experiential, more experimental, more alive than pretty much anything that I encountered in 25 years of corporate life, I would have thought that's ridiculous that that, that can't possibly happen. And, you know, during my journey um, through the first part of my career in traditional multinational matrixed organizations where I was put in positions where I was able to have both influence and direct impact on other humans. Uh, over time, uh, even though I didn't have words for it, felt more and more out of integrity for me. So the idea that I, Susan, could like literally decide with a sweep of my pen or a type of my keyboard, what kind of work Francesca gets to do or what kind of, whether or not I assess uh, Lisa as high potential and so then gets to do a particular kind of training or be on a particular L&D portfolio path or how much money or when tough times hit, okay? The guy above me has said, right, you need to cut 20%, Susan. I don't care how you do it, just get it done. How, how, fun, how fundamentally um, out of integrity that is and feels and not knowing a different way. And maybe, and probably for sure, even many of those moments, um, thinking there couldn't be another way. Well, you know, the guys have built this system um, over the last 150 years, and this is a system that works. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I feel really um, grateful that when uh, my last corporate job ended, um, I also had the opportunity to go fallow and really think about and question and interrogate all of these uh, self-limiting beliefs and also system-limiting beliefs. And you can also tell by my accent that I'm American, but I have, uh, I left America in 1995. Um, 
first for the UK for seven years and then emigrated to New Zealand in 2003. And I was talking to um, a friend of mine, Doug Kirkpatrick, who many of you might, that name might seem familiar because he um, and his organization, Morningstar, were part of uh, Frederick Lelou's Reinventing Organizations, which also has been a, a huge inspiration for me, especially in uh, my early days of exploration. I was chatting with Doug and um, kind of bemoaning the fact that I, I, I'm here, I don't know what to do. And he said, oh, a bunch of cool kids from this crew called Inspiral just uh, came for a tour of the factory. Uh, they're in New Zealand, why don't you reach out to them? And yeah, the story is a little bit more complex than I'm going to share here, but um, I did. And just as Fran shared the kind of formative um, supportive practice-based places um, that are available if we just open our eyes and are looking in the right place um, can completely well, completely transformed my life, right? So um, coming into a, a, a network where the only priority was to support each other to do our work that mattered and to try to build our muscles around that um, through different ways of participation, participatory budgeting, participatory decision-making, um, dynamic leadership, uh, rituals, practice, uh, reflection, introspection, retreats. This just seemed like a miracle to me. Like, how could this even exist? And as Fran said, um, the kind of seeds for what has become greater than um, came from a, a handful of us. Um, who had experienced that in uh, these communities of, I don't even know what to call them, communities of practice, communities of attention, communities of support, that then uh, gave us this grounding to actually understand that we that it was possible to interweave livelihood um, in these ways and also be able to do the work that we love. Um, and that, you know, every day I almost have to pinch myself to, to kind of feel that that's my reality. And I guess this leads to the, the next question, which is why greater than what is great? Maybe what is greater than why has the natural kind of landing pad for each of us now been this thing called greater than, and maybe for some that are just coming in and just listening to our melodious ramblings. Um, what is greater than? And I'd love Fran for you to share why we needed to create something like this and maybe even what is it? <laughs> I knew you were gonna put that to me. So I guess uh, greater than as a collective, that was that's probably the term I would use. Um, I think we, sort of find ourselves often in this tension between how much of a business are we and how much of a community. And it's definitely not an either or, but somewhere in the middle of that, navigating that question. 
And uh, we have a lot of people in Greater Than that are that are practitioners around the, the topic of org development, I would say. So changing how we organize really is like the key theme that brings us together. Because I think for many of us, it just feels like that's one of the root causes of many of the problems we see today in our world. So even if we think about climate change, inequalities, all of these things, um, I think the, the lens that we're taking in or the theory of change we're coming with is that in the end, how we're organizing both from the cultural side, but also from the structural side, that really the interweaving of those two things is what's essential. So we're trying to take a really systemic approach to working on this topic, working on a lot of different, different angles, let's say. Um, so we, we do a lot of, I guess, what one could say is sort of consulting-like work. So accompanying organizations, teams, and leaders that want to organize differently. But we also have courses and we do free events and part of this whole initiative of the show is really also about sharing our knowledge and uh, yeah, like opening the curtain on the experimentation that's happening all the time inside Greater Than. And I think I can definitely say for myself that uh, the, the experiments we do with ourselves, let's say, or the, the process of developing Greater Than as its own experiment of how to do things differently is at least as important as the work we're doing with others, because that really provides the grounding um, to actually uh, have a real lived experience of what we're supporting others with and helps us walk the talk. So yeah, I think that's probably one version of what we are. And I'm sure that you're, you'll experience a lot more if you keep listening and hear about some of the different things that we've been doing. I think that's Anything a real key point. Yeah, I think that's a really key point Fran, that 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 what we do internally is at least as important as what we do out in the world. Um, you know, as I've been, as I've had the privilege and the time to um, interrogate my ethical lines, I think that uh, one of the things that I feel very aligned with. And integrity and in integrity with is that the work that we do in the world is based on, um, as you said, friend, not theory or books, but actually a lived practice. So standing alongside founders, leaders, teams, organizations from a perspective of having not having done, but doing this ourselves just feels so much more um, aligned than I guess what I project onto the traditional consulting companies, which is, yeah, they come up with models and frameworks and things and, and imp maybe impose them or offer them to organizations, but very rarely are they doing these things internally themselves. So for me, that's super important and uh, integral to what we're trying to do. And Lisa, I have a question for you that we've had this conversation a lot about how the, the promise of Agile or the entry point of Agile maybe isn't quite enough to make 
the ask the questions that are required for us to be able to move into a space of being able to um, wrangle with um, these great issues of our time. Love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. Hmm. Thank you for the question. It's really rich. Um, so I think that uh, Agile as a notion and the Agile frameworks themselves have done a great service. Um, we've definitely moved the needle on creating a more humane workplace where people can bring more of themselves and when they can do work that they're actually proud of. You know, they, they feel matters in some way. And um, and as I, as I zoom out and look more at the bigger picture of what is going on in the world and uh, by extension in organizations and business in general, I mean, we're really just in this huge, I think coming home to the notion that we're not separate from nature. You know, for, I think you said 150 years earlier, Susan, for, so for about 150 years, We've been pursuing this notion that organizations can be like machines. And for a while, it actually seemed like that would work. I mean, it was sort of reasonable when, you know, you were stamping out the same exact product without much change. I think about my grandfather on the General Motors assembly line, you know, and he did the exact same thing for hour after hour after hour, day after day, month after month, year after year. And if he was sick, some other person just took his place and did the same thing. So, so in a very um, sort of practical way, humans were interchangeable, just like other parts of a machine, an assembly line. I'm not saying that it was ever humane, but from a certain perspective, it sort of worked. And then we entered the era of uh, rapid global inter interconnection because of technology advancements and you know, as you say, Susan, we're, we're now, you know, routinely on Zoom calls with people from 10, 20 different countries, and we're having this really generative conversation, you know, um, and, and the, the challenges of our time have become complex to the point that, that this pursuit of optimization and um, refining the machine of an organization to let it run, that pursuit has run its course. And so it's not like we're sort of inventing the next thing. We're, we're coming home to what human beings have done for the, the rest of our history. You know, a long, long, long time, folks. You know, we have lived in harmony with our natural environment. And we have taken the cues from nature about um, growth, death, regeneration. You know, you, I, so many organizations that I work with are literally on life support <laughs> and, and the agile coaches are in there just trying so hard to help this sea change happen, like this movement from the, the idea of a machine to ecosystem to happen. And sometimes I say to them, should the organization be in hospice care instead? But the notion of an organization dying is so antithetical to the machine age notion of organizations, right? So I'm now way off track and not at all sure if I'm getting close to answering your question. So maybe reorient me. 
Well, I'd love to hear um, as we start to wrap up here from from each of you is what it what is what do you feel is for you the most interesting, important, enlivening thing that we might share uh, during this during the season during this show. I mean, I think the reality is um, like that we don't know. That's what I find enlivening about it. <laughs> um, what I like experience... your little giggle. Do the little <laughs> giggle again, Fran. <laughs> I don't know if you can. It's really good. <laughs> I can't do it uh, when prompted. I know, yeah. But um, one thing that's been quite interesting is one of the courses that, that I run called Thriving Networks. One of the things we've been doing a lot in that course is sharing in a very raw way some of the practices we do. So one of them, for instance, is called the Happy Money Story. And it's a very intimate practice where a small group is sharing quite vulnerably things related to money and work and, and what we're doing together. And we, we share the recording from that. Um, and we've also done that with sort of coaching fishbowls and different things like that. And I just have, have found that it seems to be extremely valuable and useful for people to be able to witness that. So I think um, what I'm most looking forward to is us just to be able to sort of, yeah, dive into some of the really uh, uncomfortable, challenging, exciting topics that we're working on and just, uh, yeah, bring them here where wherever they're at with us and and see if that can help inspire others and also just encourage everyone to jump in themselves as well into the deep end and try it out. I love that. I um. I want to add on to that because the thing I'm really excited about is just to make it real. Like the so many leaders that I'm working with these days have have a real tendency toward progressive values. They genuinely want people to be empowered. They genuinely want collaboration in the organization. They genuinely want, you know, to to um you know to be the kind of leader that's a match for the complexity of our times. And just wanting it, just stepping into that value system and talking the talk doesn't mean they can walk the walk. They, they need to like really concrete, practical things. So one of my gifts in the world is making it real. So that's, that's, that's what I do. I bring it down from the, from the ether and bring it into uh, something that someone can try. So I'm really looking forward to sort of demystifying questions like, no, well, how can you make distributed decisions at scale and not totally lose control of your organization? <laughs> you know, there are ways to do that. And I'm learning that here at Greater Than by watching how this collective already works. And it's really fascinating. And I can't wait to share it. And participating. Yes, um, and participating. I'd like to flip the question, my own question on its head saying, saying what would I not like to see or not like to happen? And for me, it's, I would not like people to come and participate in this adventure with us thinking that we have all the answers and thinking that our demonstration of a particular practice is something that without any questions asked, you should just immediately bring into your organization. Mm -hmm. um, because that's, uh, it, we know that that doesn't work. So, so that's what I don't want. Um, what I do want, again is for is for people to come in and 
be inspired to practice and invent for themselves. Um, taking bits and pieces, uh, asking the questions, could this work? What, what would we need to tweak? What do we need to do to experiment this to ensure that it's actually in service of what our organization is, is, is trying to do, not just because it works for greater than or works for you know some of the other organizations that that GT works with. So that's my real hope um, and intention for this. I'd just like to say thanks to everybody who's watching. Um, uh, we look forward to you joining us um, throughout um, this particular season and sign up for uh, um, the, this channel and to get more information. And yeah, can't wait to see what emerges and what happens on this journey. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Yeah, thanks, Susan and Lisa. Woo Great chatting. Bye. 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 As we part ways, we invite you to reflect on what we've shared and apply it in your own contexts. And if you found this episode valuable, please leave a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're accessing this through. Help us spread these ideas. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to The How. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll continue our conversation. And until then, keep questioning, keep exploring, and keep pushing the bounds of the what, the why, and the how. Thanks for listening.